0: Matthew chapter 21, if you're able to stand with us in reverence to the Word of God in prayer. If you're not physically able, we understand that. But Matthew chapter 21, and we'll begin reading in verse number 12. The Bible says, And Jesus went in the temple of God, and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple, and overthrew the tables of the money changer and the seat of them that sold doves, and said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. And when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple, and saying, Hosanna to the Son of David, they were sore displeased, and said unto him, Hearest thou what these say? And Jesus saith unto them, Yea, have ye never read? Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise. And he left them, and went out into the city, into Bethany, and he lodged there. Let's bow for a word of prayer, and then you can be seated. Father, Lord, we want to thank You once again for the privilege to come into Your presence. We want to thank You, Lord, for the singing that we've heard tonight. Our hearts have been uplifted and encouraged. We thank you for your people tonight. I pray, God, that you'll bless this congregation. I ask you, Lord, if you would uh, bless this pastor. Lord, I pray that the greatest days would be ahead. Lord, I pray that truly you'd send a spirit of revival upon this place. God, may many souls be saved and lives be changed in this community as a result of this place. Lord, here, I ask you now, Lord, to speak to us, give us wisdom, give us liberty. Lord, may we not say anything tonight that would grieve the Holy Spirit, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name name we do pray amen amen you can be seated tonight i want to draw your attention here in just a few moments to verse number 12 using this phrase where the bible says and jesus went into the temple of god And when you think about the temple of God in Jesus' day, we know that this was the synagogue. This was uh, the place that they came to worship. Now, we know that Old Testament worship was quite a a lot different than New Testament worship, even though it pictured what would be to come. But we see here that uh, Jesus is going into the temple of God. This was their place of worship. This was uh, their church in that day and time, if you will. We know that the word church was not uh, initially brought on until the church church was born in the book of Acts, but when you think about it tonight, Jesus is going to teach us two principles. Number one, He's going to teach us what church really is not about, and then He's going to teach us what church really is about. And I want to say tonight I'm glad that the same Bible that tells you what is wrong and tells you how not to do something is the same book that will tell you what is right and will tell you how to do something. Amen? I don't like to hear sermons that just kindly leave you hanging. Amen? I I think we have to point out the negative. Certainly we've got to do that. But we've got to give some people some hope. Amen? This is a book of hope. Isn't that right? And that's what we're bringing to this world. Well, Jesus goes in the temple here, and He's going to show this crowd what church really is not about. And then He's going to establish what it's supposed to be. I think if there's ever been a time in a generation that has forgotten that, I think it's the generation that we're preaching to tonight. Amen? And I understand that I'm talking to a congregation that is fundamental and fully aware of what church really is and the foundation and the fundamentals of that. But I'll tell you what needs to be done tonight on the closing night of this meeting is we just simply need to be reminded. We simply need to reinforce what is and what is not when it comes to local New Testament church. Amen? I think as young people you hear tonight, you need to reaffirm and you need to have a conviction, not a choice, but a conviction about what real church really is about and what it is not about amen now I would say tonight in order for uh, you and I to know what it is we do have to know what it is not and when Jesus goes in the house of God, the first thing He shows this crowd that church is not about, it's not about a financial gain. Amen? Look what He said in verse number 12. The Bible said He went into the temple and God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the table the money changers and the seat of the that sold doves. Now, let me say tonight, church is not about financial gain. Amen? Now, that does not mean don't take care of the pastor. Somebody say man right there you ought to give your pastor a raise every time you can amen and then you ought to look at somebody that doesn't like it and you ought to double dog dare them to get mad because you gave him a raise amen in fact i'd vote somebody out in my church if i was a member i mean i'd put the motion out there if they didn't want to give the man of god raise they got problems somebody say man you say well he might he we don't want him to get rich this is an independent baptist church Nobody gets rich in independent Baptist churches. Do you know that? I mean, we got to go to a Methodist at least if we're going to uh, make any real money. Amen? Uh, you know he's not in it for the money tonight. Amen? I mean, you can tell. I've only spent a week here, and I can tell that your pastor and his wife, that they uh, that they love their people. They love their church. It's what they talk about when we sit around the table, and they didn't say anything negative. And I know well enough, pastor and Baptist people, as long as I have, uh, that there's always something negative to say. Uh, but you know what? Everything they say, was good and positive made me want to be a member of this church amen that's worth a raise right there now he didn't tell me to say that i'm just telling you god uh, will be good to you for being good to the man of god amen uh, but what i am saying tonight is this uh, is the church is not a bank somebody say man It we're not a loan company isn't that right uh, i think a church ought to have a benevolence and we ought to help people but this is not the place uh, that we come to get uh, it's the place that we come to give amen you know, a lot of people come to church and they think to themselves, well, I hope I get a blessing. But, you know, we don't come to get anything. I think mean, that's what happens. People leave churches because they quit receiving. We come to give. Give our offering. Give our time. Give our song of praise. Amen. Give our talents to the Lord. Like give, give. You say, well, well, what about that blessing? Well, those who are blessed the most are those that are always giving. Amen. And if you'll give, you can't outgive give God. But church is not about financial gain. And can I tell you tonight, it's sad to say, but it is true. I have been with pastors, and I'm sure your pastor would say the same, that there are men that are in it just for the money. This is just a profession. They could care less about the souls of men. They could care less about about your children and your grandchildren. And that's all the more reason. You ought to thank God for your preacher. You ought to thank God for somebody that cares for you and will pray for you and will love you. And my friend, church is not about financial gain. Amen? And then a second thing that he tells this crowd here is that church is not about fame and glory. Amen? Look what the Bible said in verse number 15. And when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did... And the children crying in the temple saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Look at this. They were sore displeased. Now the scribes is the spiritual crowd. And the spiritual crowd in this congregation didn't just get a little bit upset, but the Bible said they were sore displeased. That means they were fuming mad when they saw the wonderful things that Jesus did. Now, how in the world could anybody get mad when you see the wonderful things? Why would this crowd... This is the religious crowd. Why would they get so mad when good things start happening in the house of God? I've seen it happen a lot of times in church. Amen? You let a church start growing and glowing and God's a blessing. I'll tell you, there's always a crowd that gets a little bit upset about that. You know why? Because of the same reason for this crowd. You know why they got so mad? Because the attention got off of them and it got on him. Amen? And can I tell you, that's what church is about. It's not about putting the attention on the preacher. It's not about putting the attention on somebody else. But I'm telling you, there are people that are in it for the fame and for the glory. Amen. Now, I'm sure you don't have anybody like this. But sometimes people get upset because it's their birthday. Today's my wife's birthday. And she's sick on her birthday. I thought about that today. But you know what? As long as she ain't sick of me. Amen. But you know, there are some people, it's their birthday... And if they come in and their church isn't, or their name isn't in the church bulletin, I mean, you got serious problems on your hand. I told our crowd, if one of y'all ever gets mad because so and so forgets your name in the church bulletin, I said, I'll take every, I'll take every bulletin week high and I'll run it through the shredder. Amen. And we won't have a church bullet. You say, preacher, do you talk? Well, they know I love them, amen. But I just, just, that's the way I talk to them, amen. And that's the way they talk to me too. I'll be honest with you. But I'm going to be honest. I'm just telling you how it is. But church is not about fame and glory. It's not about recognition. It's not about accolades. It's not about trophies. You say, well, you know, I did this and nobody recognized that. And so I've been upset about it. You got to get over that. You got to be a better Christian. You got to be a more mature, mature Christian. We're not doing it recognition amen we're not doing it to get a pat on the back that's not what church is about and people are human and sometimes we forget to recognize things that are done we can't remember everything don't you think god that people are merciful when you forget things i'm talking about church is not about fame and glory amen they don't see something else tonight church is not about fussing and grumbling this crowd brings jesus in for a conference meeting in verse number 15 our verse number 16, and they say to him, us now what these say? Now I going to stop and say this. You're not going to back the living Word in the corner. They, back him, they said, do you not hear what these young people are saying? And look what Jesus says. Yea, have you not read? Do you not know that was an insult to this crowd? These were the scribes, the spiritual people. They wore the Word of God in their clothing. They knew the fir- the law, the first five books of the Old Testament. They memorized the Pentateuch. They knew the Bible. And Jesus basically, in plain old Tennessee language, He looked at them and said, If you've not read your Bible, Amen out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise. I'll tell you, listen, this is what Jesus is telling them. You, you Listen, he's telling them church isn't about fussing and grumbling and I don't think that's here, but in case it is, let me just preach on it a few moments tonight. I'm telling you, listen, church is not about, uh, listen, finding something wrong and fussing about it. Amen? I'm going to tell you, I've been here not even one week yet, and for every one thing you could tell me wrong about this church, I could tell you ten good things about this church. Amen? And what the devil does a lot of times uh, is he gets us to focus on one little mishap or one little thing that we don't like or he magnifies one little thing in our life and he blows that thing up until that's all we can see we don't see how good the church has been and all the things the church has done for us amen church isn't about fussing and grumbling amen i tell people in our church you hear somebody grumbling you run from them like they got leprosy amen i mean you get as far away from that person and then you pray for them. You say, well, why would you tell them that, preacher? Because i tell you what I've seen down through the years. I've watched too many good members get poisoned by too many bitter members. Amen. What you have to tell them people, my ear is not a garbage can for you to put all your trash into what you think and don't think about the church. I'm telling you, listen, the bottom line is this. you got a good church to go to. you got a good place to worship. You get to hear the Word of God preached on a weekly basis. Uh, you got good singing. You ought to thank God for that. Amen? And I'm telling you, listen, uh, uh, you got a place to, to meet and worship. Uh, I mean, listen, we, there's a whole lot of things we ought to overlook. But church is not about fussing and grumbling. Not about fame and glory, it's not about financial gain. So, what is it about tonight? Notice these things here. Number one, Jesus tells us in verse number twelve that church is about exposing sin. Because when Jesus goes in in verse number twelve, when he goes in the temple of God, the first thing he does is he exposes the sin that's in that church. Now, Jesus doesn't take a vote. He doesn't announce that he's here. He doesn't ask which crowd's going to like it and which crowd's not going to like it. I'm going to tell you, he just walks in and starts turning tables over. He just starts running, running animals out, running people out. I mean, he turns things upside down in the house of God. I'm going to be honest with you, I don't like a purging. Amen? I don't like it when people leave. And I sure don't like it when they leave mad. But sometimes it happens. At our very best, we try not to let it happen. And I don't try to run people off. I don't believe in that. But I'll tell you, when you start preaching on sin, hey, it starts cleaning out some pews sometimes. Amen? I'm not talking about having to Bad spirit. I'm not talking about being belligerent. I'm not talking about being a smart ale I'm just talking about listen. Everybody uh, don't like preaching on sin, amen. And you can't generalize it. You got to catalog it, amen. You got to name it as the Bible names it, and you got to call it what it is. Uh, uh, but I'm telling you, there's a lot of folks uh, they like the singing, they like the shouting, they like the praising God. Uh, but when the preacher has to put the hammer down, a lot of times they don't like that. Had a man come to our church one time. And he told me, he said, he told me, he said, he didn't come for a few weeks. So I went back, I went and visited him. And I told him, I said, sir, we, we've been missing you. I said, and he was, He was such a blessing. He said, I will not be back. And I said, well, why not? I said, I want you to come back. And he said, I won't be back. He said, every time I go down there, he said, you preach on this one thing and it makes me feel bad. <laughs> I said... There's a 200 people that feels the same way you do, but they keep coming back anyway. And he said, well, I don't like feeling bad. Can I, I told him, I said, can I tell you something? He said, yeah. I said, I preach on a whole lot of things that make me feel bad, but I have to go back. I'm the pastor. Amen. I said, if i got to go back, I said, you need to come on back too. I said, now, you just roll your lip back up and come on back. Amen? You know what he did? He rolled his lip on up and he come on back and he got right with God about it. Amen? You say, what are you saying preacher? I'm saying, that's what church is about. I wouldn't want to go to a church preacher where no preacher never preached on sin. Amen? I mean, Joel Osteen put a book out and he put up this book out and it said, "Uh, every day is a Friday. And you know what? I'm not the smartest person in the world, but when I saw that title, I said, it ain't in my world amen if he had titled that book every day's a monday i might have believed that amen but you're not going to ever convince me that we're living in a utopia and every day's payday amen friend but i'm telling you listen there's some preachers they wouldn't listen they wouldn't cry snake if it was wrapped around your neck amen but what i'm saying is church is about exposing sin you say now brother gravity why do you say that i'm gonna tell you why because tonight you're smiling but what if he comes in here on Sunday morning and he nails your sin? You gotta look past the external of the man that's preaching. You gotta listen for the voice of God. Brother, I've seen a lot of people shipwreck their life. Because they were okay as long as you preach on everybody else's sin. And I'm telling you, being a pastor is not an easy job. Because sometimes the people that you you poured your life into and you love them. Sometimes you know you've got to sit down and well, you know what you're what you going to have to tell them is, is for their own good and it's to help them. But you don't know if they're going to receive it. And I'm going to tell you, that's burdensome to a man of God. But church is about exposing sin. Secondly, I see that church is about expounding the Scriptures. Notice what the Bible says here. In verse number 13, look at the first three words that Jesus says. He says, It is written. Jesus is exposing sin, but He's doing it with the Bible. He's not giving you His opinion. He's not giving you His his idea, His theology. But Jesus, the living Word, has taken the written Word and He is expounding the Scriptures. And that's what church is about. It's about expounding the Word of God. You didn't come to hear what I think. You didn't come to hear what I believe. You didn't come to hear what I say. Amen? You come to hear what thus saith the Lord. Amen? And as long as... uh, I think people really want to know two things. Whenever you open the Bible, I think they want to know when you read that verse, number one, what does it mean? And number two, how does it fit my life? Amen? And if you'll tell them that... It will always help them if they'll receive it. Amen? But I'm telling you, Jesus is expounding the Word of God. And that's what it's about. Church is about learning more. And my friend, hearing the preaching of the Bible. Isn't it amazing how we've got everything else going on in church today? And the emphasis is on everything else but preaching. And strong preaching. And don't misunderstand me. I love singing. At our church, we have a lot of singing. Uh, I love fellowships. We had a fall festival the other day, and I'm telling you, we had a great time. Amen. And, uh, I threw dodgeballs at kids that I've been wanting to hit all year long. Amen. <laughs> Somebody said, they come up and said, Preacher, are going to play dodgeball? I said, sure we are. i was just trying to figure out if I was going to use a softball or a hardball. Amen. <laughs> We're going to play dodgeball. I'm going to take out all my stress. <laughs> I like fellowship, don't you? But if you don't have the preaching of the Word of God, we're nothing more than a social club. Isn't it amazing how little emphasis is on that? I love singing. I love all these things. But I tell you, when a man of God opens that book and he begins to expound the Scriptures, that's the time to listen. And it's time to say amen to the preaching. That's one of the things I've noticed. And don't ever lose that here. Thank God for some people that will say amen. You'd be amazed at churches you go in nowadays. uh, You couldn't get a holy grunt out of somebody. Amen? I was preaching in a church up north and the only person saying amen in that service was a little boy sitting on the front row and the pastor was sitting right next to him. And that little boy kept saying, Amen! Like that. More here's a helping me. And after about the fifth Amen, the preacher leaned over and said, Shh! I stopped right in the no sermon. I said, Lord God, don't stop him. <laughs> I did. I said, Let him. He's the only one in my corner right now, Pastor. And he kindly got red-faced and helped me out a little bit too, you know. I'm saying, Isn't it amazing how quiet our churches have become? It's about expounding the Scriptures. I tell you, all to be faithful to Sunday school. And I know it's Friday night crowd, but please tell that crowd on Sunday morning, I said you ought to be faithful to Sunday school. You all to be here, and you ought to be on time. Amen? I mean, if you can make it to work every day on time, surely you can come to Sunday school on time. I'm talking about an excitement about the Word of God. A man told me one time in our church, he was visiting, he said, I don't do Sunday school. I said, why not? He said, oh, it's just a tradition. I said, so is brushing your teeth. I'm serious. I said, but it's a good tradition. He said, well, I don't get nothing out of it. I said, you don't put nothing in it. I said, do you study the lesson? Do you read the quarterly? Do you pray for the Sunday school teacher? I mean you do those things and come you'd be amazed what what the very uh, listen thank God for the preaching but God may have something else He wants to say to us and there's no maybe He does want to say something I can't tell you the time sitting in Sunday school listening I'm talking about as the pastor and I would hear the Sunday school teacher teach and how it spoke to my heart and God gave me an answer to something that I was looking for what if I wouldn't have been at Sunday school that morning amen I mean I think preachers even need Sunday school and, and deacons need Sunday school we all need Amen. I'm talking about the expounding of the word of God. Then I see tonight, not only, but also churches about expressing supplication. Look at what he said in verse number 13. He said, my house shall be called the house of prayer. You know what? Isn't that interesting? That Jesus didn't call it the house of singing or the house of preaching. He didn't call it the fun house. Call it the pray house. Now all them things have their place. But our Lord said that for this reason. Jesus spent his life, his entire life by prayer. You go back to the first sermon that Jesus ever preached, Matthew 5, 6 and 7, there's a lot of subjects that are woven in throughout that sermon, but I'll tell you the one subject that keeps popping up is that subject of prayer. Mark 135 said, Rising up a great while before day, he went out into a solitary place, and there he prayed. When you think about our Lord, He prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, He prayed in the desert, Jesus prayed at the Mount of Olives, several different places on the cross of Calvary. Most of those seven sayings were prayers of our Lord to God. And you think about where He's at right now. What kind of a ministry does Jesus have now? It's not a preaching ministry, it's not a singing ministry or a teaching ministry, it's a praying ministry, amen? And we're never more like Jesus than when we pray, isn't that right? And so Jesus said, My house shall be called a house of prayer. It's not an accident that when we come in, somewhere's in the beginning of that service. Maybe it's before the first song or somewhere's in the first part of the singing. We open the service up in prayer. We pray over the offering. Isn't that right? The preacher a lot of times will get up and pray over the sermon and then we'll close the service out a lot of times in prayer. Why? Because it is a house of prayer. Amen. What we're saying is, Lord, we can't sing without you. God, we can't preach without you. Lord, our offering is no good without you. Lord, we don't want to leave without acknowledging you. I'm talking about Jesus said, God, his house ought to be called the house of prayer. And can I tell you tonight, and you'll agree with me, the least attended service in our churches today is our Wednesday night prayer meeting service. Now, I'm not against Bible study. You don't, don't take me wrong. But we've replaced it for prayer meeting. You say, why does the preacher do that? I don't know what y'all do here. It doesn't matter. But I'll tell you why we've, we've come that far in this day and time. Is because the altars, people are not burdened like they used to be. They don't come broken. They they used to come with a purpose to pray on Wednesday nights. And I'm not I'm not throwing off on this. Thank God I'm gonna tell you, if I was sick and, and somebody went to church, I would want them to request prayer for me, wouldn't you? But have you ever noticed this preacher in any church, the church I pastor, any church you go to, you listen to ninety percent of the prayer requests on Wednesday night. You know what they're going to be? Sickness. That's true. Now, don't misunderstand me. You ought to come to church and request prayer for somebody that's sick. But I tell you, listen, 30 years ago it was the other way around. People were just as sick, but they came to church, pray for my sister, she's lost. Pray for my son, he's a prodigal. Pray for my co worker, I got a burden, I'd like to see him get saved. I'm talking about, listen, we focus on the physical. We ought to we ought to pray for people when they're sick. I, I, as I've said before, but we ought to pray for more than just sick folk. Amen. Okay? We ought to pray for people that are going to hell. We ought to pray for people that are wayward. We ought to call their name out in prayer. I'm telling you, I was preaching in a revival meeting uh, several years back. And there was a gentleman on the front row at that meeting. And every night, preacher, he would stand up. And he would weep. And he would pray for his son that he would come to service. He, he prayed. His son was a truck driver. And he traveled over the road. And he stood up on Monday night. He said, I'm really praying. I don't know where he's at. I don't know what he's doing. He said, I know he's driving a truck somewhere. But he said, I'm just praying that God will get a hold of his heart. And he'll come in the service. And and every night he did that Tuesday night. Did it Wednesday night. Thursday night. He got up and said, there's one more night. Pray that my son will come in the service. And he said, I don't know even know where he is. But God's big enough to bring him. Can I be honest with you? I didn't really think it would happen. Amen. But on Friday night, we got there and his son wasn't there. He hadn't showed up. And I'll tell you, we're about halfway through the service and and it's time to get up and preach and I got up to preach that night and he stood up on the front row right before I preached and he just started weeping. He said he didn't come. He didn't make it. And while he's doing that the back door opens up. And a gentleman walks in and sits right there. I don't know who he is. But his daddy's standing here testifying. And he said, all I wanted my son to do was come. Come to church and hear the gospel. And he starts weeping. I see that boy. I didn't know it was his son until I see his countenance change. He said, he's going to hell. He said, I want everybody to pray that my son won't go to hell. And he keeps on talking. And I watch that boy start weeping. I'm watching him and I'm watching him. You talk about God. I'm going to tell you, he kept on talking. And finally, that boy couldn't take no more. He got up and come down that aisle. He said, I'm here, Daddy, I'm here. And I want to get right with God. And they both fell in the altar. And they got right with God. i tell you, there wasn't no preaching that night. Amen. But I'll tell you what happened. It was the burden. It was the tears. It was the earnestness of one saint that got under a load for somebody not to go to hell. I'm telling you, friend, God hadn't changed. Amen. we got to get back on our knees. we got to get burdened again and start praying. One for another, Amen. I'm talking about it's a place of where that we express supplication, and then look at verse number fourteen. Church is about evangelizing sinners. The Bible says here, "In the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them." Well, I love that verse, preacher, because it's interesting. Jesus walks in, he gets the sin out of the church, he puts the Bible and prayer in its rightful place. And lo and behold, two sinners come. Amen. Now, I'm not the smartest person in the world. But I'll tell you something about a blind man and a lame man that they both have in common. They both got different ailments. Isn't that right? But the one thing they both got in common is there's no way they could get to church by themselves. Amen. That blind man couldn't have found his way to the synagogue that lame man couldn't have found his way to synagogue you say well how'd they get there I'm going to tell you how they got there somebody had to go out somebody had to go after them somebody had to go get them amen somebody had to give them an invitation a lame man can't get there by himself a blind man can't get there by himself you say preacher what are you saying I'm saying when we get the sin out of our life and we put the emphasis on the bible and we put the emphasis on prayer souls are going to be saved amen sinners are going to come to the house of God I'm telling The world's got, the church world's got it backwards today. They're trying to bring the world in to reach sinners. Amen. But if you just look at what Jesus did, when God's people gets right and when God's people puts the emphasis on the Bible and prayer, that's the drawing magnet. Amen. That brings sinners to the foot of the cross. Amen. Now see here tonight that church is about just what your pastor's got here. Going after sinners. Telling somebody about Jesus got a man in my church he's never been on one organized visitation program as far as I know we have it every Saturday he's never come to the first one but he wins more people to Christ than anybody I've ever seen somebody said something one day said "Said, why don't no brother Tom come I said you leave him alone they said well he don't ever come on Saturday I said he's won more people to God than you've ever thought about winning I said and I promise you he's told more people about Jesus this week than you and I have I'll tell you about brother Tom, he talks about God everywhere he goes. We were sitting in steak and shake one night and the waitress come up. She was just, you know, she could tell it was Wednesday night. You know, we had on church attire and she was used to that, I'm sure. And she was more interested in getting a tip, you know, and she come up and she said, well, the Lord is good. And when she said that, brother Tom said, Oh, yes, ma'am, he is. I'm sitting there thinking, lady, you don't mean that, but he does. And we're in steak and shake. We're not in church. But he thinks we're in church everywhere we go. Amen. Brother Tom will shout at Walmart. I promise you. I've seen him do it. And when she said that, I could tell three seconds in that conversation, he starts talking about the goodness of God, and she's just standing there, you know, she's ready to take our order and move on, and definitely move on. And he gets so fired up, she brings her milkshakes, you know. And a few minutes later, she comes back over, He still wanting to talk about God, you know. And I'm looking, we're not even getting good service anymore, because she's staying away from us. Huh? And he gets so fired up, he turns a milkshake over, goes to shouting, doesn't make no difference. Amen to him. You say, what are you saying? I'm talking about he, he's he got a Burden. everywhere He goes to witness the people. Amen. And that's what church is about. It's about rescuing the perishing and care for the dying. Amen. Bring somebody to church. Pick somebody up. Picked a man up. Probably been a couple years ago. Went to the neighborhood. with was knocking on doors. and This man I talked to him. He said, I'll come in the morning. It's really a run-down apartment area. I said, okay, I'll come by and pick you up. So I came by and when I picked him up, and I'm going to be honest with you, preacher, the very second he got in my car, I mean within two seconds, the entire automobile smelled like urine. It just just stunk so bad. I'm driving down the road. I'm not even a half a mile down the road, and I, I don't even know if I'm going to make it to church without throwing up. And I wanted to crack my window, but I didn't want to offend the man. And I'll be honest with you, it ran through my thought, or through my mind, my thought, just my flesh. I thought, man, this is terrible. And this guy's sitting in my car. I'm just being honest with you, that's how the flesh is. I no more got that thought out of my mind and the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, Hey, son, take a good whiff of that. Because your sins, it's a thousand times more stench than what you're smelling right now. I'm gonna tell you something tonight. There's people all around us going to hell. I'll tell you, we got the light of the world. We got the gospel. We gotta take it to them. We rub shoulders with people every day that needs to be saved. Church is about evangelizing sinners and then notice it's about experiencing salvation. The Bible said in verse number 14 that He healed them. You know, they could bring the blind man and the lame man, but they couldn't heal them. We can bring sinners to church. We can give them the gospel, but we can't save them. Amen. The power of just one track, I was thinking about that. The power of just one track. There's a subdivision in our area that we've probably knocked on them doors for as long as I've been a pastor of that church. And probably for 15 years, nobody has come. In In 15 years, nobody came. And one day somebody knocked on the door. We don't even know who it was. They put a door hanger there that had a gospel track in it. And a lady came and she got that track. And what it was, it was a meth house. Pretty nice subdivision, but it was a meth house. And they were all families, about three families living there in that house together. And this young lady got got that track and she went upstairs and she sat on her bed, her and her husband in that room. And she began to read that track and she laid it down. And for the next two weeks, everywhere she turned, that track was there. And she kept on until finally she told her husband, she said, let's go to that church. It took about 15 years and knocking on that subdivision. So they came to church on, on a Sunday night. They sit way back in the corner. And after service, I was shaking hands. They come by, she was just weeping and crying. I could tell she was under conviction, needed to be saved. I asked her if she wanted to be saved. And she told me, she said, Preacher, I can't get saved tonight. She said, I've got a, a wad of dope at the house. And she said, I know if I go home, I'm going to smoke it. And she said, "I just there's nothing I can do about that. And she left weeping. I went out of town on uh, Monday. My wife called me Thursday morning. She said, oh, you missed it last night. And I hate it when she says that. <laughs> I said, what happened? She said, well, you should have been here, you know. And I said, what happened? She said, she told me, she said, Kristen came last night and brought Derek back, her husband. And he's brought them down and set him on the second row. Now they don't know anything about God. Derek is standing there with a, or sitting there with a ripped up t-shirt and a big old black eye. And she's sitting there. And they, the, the preacher that filled in for me that night, he had everybody come around the altar to pray for the altar of prayer, you know, and, uh, They don't know anything about that. And people's giving prayer requests. And she raises her hand. And he calls on her and says, Yes, ma'am. She said, Well, I got saved last night in my house. She said, I was going to get saved tonight. She said, But I couldn't wait anymore. And she said, That little piece of paper y'all gave me, she said, I just followed the instructions on the back of it and got saved by my bed. Well, people got to shouting. and uh, But then she pointed to Derek. She said, Now, Derek's not saved. And she said, "I brought him tonight so he'd get saved." Oh, Derek sitting there grinning, and Brother Jack—he's old school—and I'm telling you, when he heard he is lost, I don't know what he was going to preach on, but it didn't matter. It all went out that at that moment, he got up and preached on hell, and Derek got saved. Amen. Amen. And you know what? They came, they, I came in, I thought, I gotta get in, you know, I thought, I gotta get in from this meeting. I remember I was up in North Carolina. I thought, I gotta get in and, and and meet this couple. And so visitation was Saturday morning. So I thought, I'm gonna go out and, and see them and, and see, you know, kind of try to help them a little bit, you know, disciple them. Well, I get there for visitation preacher and there they are. Ours Derek. He's got on a tank top, black eye. (laughs) She's got on a pair of Daisy Duke shorts, you know. I mean, not a halter top, but a tank top. And my wife looks at me she said, what are you going to do about this now? I said, well, I'm just going to take them with me, I reckon. I said, y'all got any family y'all would like to go see? They said, no. Nope. I said, okay. I said, here we go. We went to subdivision. I knocked on the door. And you should have seen that person's face. When they opened the door and there's Derek with his black eye and his Ripped up and I said, Hey man, we're from Bible Baptist Church. We'd like to invite you out. And I we visited about two or three doors, and old Derek said, Can I do that? I said, No, I don't think you're ready for this. He said, Well, I'd like to do it. And I said, Well, I don't know. I didn't want to so I said, Well, I'll let you try one. And uh he knocks on the door and they opened the door and he said, Hello, he said, I'm Derek. He said, I go to his church. He says, Greatest church in the world. He said, I'd like for you to come back. And I'm sitting there thinking, Man, that's a pretty good way to witness to somebody. He's only been there two services. And one of them he wasn't even saved in. And it's the greatest church in the world. You know why? Because that's where he got saved. I'm going to tell you what happened. Their mother got saved. Their brother got saved. I'm talking about one gospel track, hanging on a door. And finally one Sunday morning I was preaching and a man walked in and it was their daddy. Daddy. He owned a barbecue restaurant downtown. He come walking in. The choir was singing. He had a big old family Bible under his arm. Come in walking, carrying that big old family Bible. And I saw him coming down the aisle. An old George come down out down that aisle. And when he got about halfway, he just pitched it in the pew there and hit the altar. I went down there and I said, sir, can I help you? He said, preacher, I'm George. He said, I come to get saved. I said, well, let me tell you. He said, no. He said, they've all been telling me how to get saved. He said, we used to hide our drugs from each other because we'd steal each other's drugs. He said, now nobody does any dope anymore in there. He said, it's just Bibles and tracts everywhere. He said, I've been reading those tracts and he said, I come this morning to get saved. And he got saved. You say, what are you saying? I'm saying those tracts will track you down. Amen? I'm talking about get a handful and go out and do something for God. Amen? I'm talking about you can't save them. I can't save them. but I'm talking about the gospel will draw them. Amen? And listen, if, if the Holy Spirit won't draw them, I'm I'm not going to drag them. Amen? But I'm telling you, preaching the Word of God, it still works. Amen? Let me say this in closing. It's about exalting the Savior. Look what the Bible says. And when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, verse 15, and notice this, the children crying in the temple, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. You know, that word crying is the same word for shouting. And about the quietest place we go nowadays is church. Brother, I'm telling you, you ought to say amen to the preaching. You ought to raise your hand every now and then during a song or a message. Let the preacher know you're alive. Let him know you're in agreement with what's being said. But I thought about these young people. They're standing there. They see all this commotion when Jesus comes in. They see the Word of God in prayer put in its rightful place. They see this, these two sinners come in. They see this, this life-changing experience. Jesus heals them. And all of a sudden, they start crying, Hosanna to the Son of David. I read that one day preacher and I thought to myself, where did they learn that? Look at verse number nine. The Bible says, and the multitude that went before and that followed cried saying, Hosanna, to the son of David, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. I'm going to tell you something. These young people were just repeating inside the sanctuary what they heard the mamas and daddies in verse nine. I'm going to tell you something. If we want the young people, everybody wants the young people to get right with God and everybody wants the young people to have revival and everybody wants the young people to get on fire for God. And I do too. But I'm going to tell you, it's going to take another generation to be the example your children will never be more dedicated than what you are. I said it Sunday morning to our church. I said, if you lay out of church on Sunday nights, your children will lay out of church on Sunday nights. You, if Listen, I'm not against playing ball, but I told our crowd on Sunday. I said, I'm not against them playing ball. But I said, if you let them stay out on Wednesday night to play ball, your children's never going to take going to church seriously. I'm not against playing ball. Just don't play it during church time. Make it not a priority. Make it the number one priority. I told our children growing up, I said, we're not going to build our schedule or church around our schedule. We're going to build our schedule around the church schedule. Be there. Be faithful. I'll show you this in closing as they come and get us a song ready. When church becomes about anything other than these things, notice... Notice the, last, or the first four words of verse 17. The Bible says, And he left them. And I'm going to tell you something tonight. When church becomes about anything other than these things, that's what happens. He leaves them. Well, there's a lot of places tonight, they have to have all these other things. You know why? They have to have all these other things to try to have. Because they don't have him. When you have Him, you do like this lady did the other night. Stand right up here and sing a cappella. Yeah. And when you got Him, that's all you need. Yeah. Amen. You know what people can't figure out about the Hendersons when they sing? I was in a service one night, and they was a group. I mean, they sang for 45 minutes and about killed the whole service. And I wanted to go to the house. And the whole crowd wanted to go to the house, and they kept thinking the more song, And they had instruments. I mean, listen, you couldn't have walked across the platform. That's, man, I'm not against that. But I'll tell you what happened, I was sitting there thinking, Oh Lord, I gotta preach behind this mess. And that's what it was, it was a mess. It was performance. About fifteen minutes before I got up to preach, the door opened, and here comes Sister Patsy in. I looked back there and I seen her coming and I thought, Thank you, Lord. And the pastor, they come finally, they sit down finally. And they the pastor called them up to sing. And I'm gonna tell you, they sung about a half a verse. And I mean, that place erupted. And them singers was looking like, what in the world just happened? You know what? They have him. And I don't want to do anything to offend the Holy Spirit. I don't like to lose nobody, but I'd rather, I'd rather offend an individual as best as I may try not to. I'd rather somebody leave. And let's just face it, there has been people leave and the church had revival. We don't want it to be that way, do we? I tell you, it'd be better if it'd get right. But tonight, your local New Testament church is the outside your family unit. It's the greatest thing you've got going.